0: Let's turn in the blue worship book to number 226.
1: 226. And those who are able, please stand. 226.
2: To worship, you have some words to say. So I will read one line and then Carolyn will read with you or will speak with you for the response. The response is Great is the Lord. No, nope. the response is
0: Great is your name, great is your love. Let's try it. Great, great is your,
3: your name. name, great is your love.
2: <coughs> oh God. You summon the day to dawn. You teach the morning to waken the earth. Great is your name. Great is your love. For you, the valleys shall sing for joy. The trees of the fields shall clap their hands. Great, Great is your name. Great is your love. For you, the monarchs of the earth shall bow. The poor and pros- the poor and persecuted shall shout for joy. Great is your name.
3: Great is your love.
2: Your love and mercy shall last forever, fresh as the morning, sure as the sunrise. Great is your name,
0: great
3: is your love.
2: Let's pray. O Holy One, we hear and say so many words, yet yours is the word we need. Speak now and help us listen. And if what we hear is silence, let it quiet us. Let it disturb us. Let it touch our need. Let it break our pride. Let it shrink our certainties. Let it enlarge our wonder. Amen. Amen.
0: Number 70 in the blue hymnal. And let's stand up to sing. 7-0,
1: 70 immortal invisible God only wise <clears throat> hymnal number 346, 346, Dona Nobis Pacem. We'll all sing through the entire hymn together in unison first, and then there's a good, we'll sing it in two parts as a round, and there's a good dividing line right down the middle here. So we'll say everybody on your left will sing to start with, and then everyone on your right, you'll come in when they get to number two, and Carolyn will help lead with that. So all in unison to start with, all the way through.
0: Well, is a time in our service for confession. Let's take a moment of quiet to um, come before God to confess our fear, our sadness, our failures, anything that we need to bring before someone who is infinitely greater than us. Lord, thank you for hearing the thoughts of our hearts. Please gather them together and transform these things (coughs) that we are afraid of, sad about, ashamed of. Gather us in your strong hands. Guide us into life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now is the time to remember that we have peace in Christ and we have peace with each other, so we can share that this morning and and then remember to go out this week and share it with all we encounter. So let's pass peace and greet one another this morning. Go ahead.
3: As you make your way back
0: to your seats, I invite um, anyone to come up who has a birthday in the month of February, a special um, anniversary that you'd like to celebrate. Um, Because today is the first Sunday in February, believe it or not.
3: Would any of you like to share what
0: you're celebrating this month? I didn't hear you. Oh, would you like, would you like to share what you're celebrating this month?
2: Well, Groundhog Day. <laughs>
0: it's a wonderful thing to celebrate. Anyone else? Says he saw his shadow. It happens to, it happens to be my birthday today.
3: Oh. And usually, Groundhog gets more uh, attention. <laughs> but he has only one day. And I have maybe a whole year. A fellowship with people like you. Uh, this is no game show, no prizes, but guess who's the oldest and the youngest?
0: Meribeth and uh, Friedman and I am Carrie Dino.
1: You're working on the next hundred, right?
3: Yeah, I'm working on it. 64 here.
0: Let's pray um, in a blessing for these um, wonderful saints among us. Lord, thank you for many years of life and Many years of relationship and many years of community represented up here. And we pray for, for many more years and we pray for um, life abundant um, throughout however long our lives may be. Thank you. Amen. Thanks. So now we invite the kids forward. I don't know if there are any children among us today. Maybe they're in the nursery. don't have any young ones would you like me to tell you all a story? Um, So well I was just going to say that um, our scripture text for today it comes from the gospel according to Matthew which of course is one of our uh, one of the books that tells the story of Jesus and the 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 passage comes from the part called the Sermon on the Mount. What's, what, what is this? What, does anybody know what that means? What's the Sermon on the Mount? It's a sermon. We hear sermons all the time, right? Every Sunday. Um, well, many, most Sundays, let's say, someone stands up front and they, they teach. They share things to help us learn, to, to encourage us. Uh, when we are when we're scared or sad they, um, they challenge us to live in, in different ways and better ways so that's a sermon on a mount, well mountain although in this case it might have been what we might have called a hill large, high hill, large hill so Jesus has been teaching um, and preaching in the synagogues, he's also been healing people and so people are really amazed, intrigued, excited, scared, don't know what to make of this guy. So they want to hear what he's going to say. So he goes up this hill and sits down. And those who have been following him, who really want to hear and learn, come and sit around him. And this particular sermon, the first thing he Talks about are these different kinds of people and how they're all blessed. Um, Blessed, blessed, sort of the same word, but it could also mean happy or fortunate. And so he talks about um, people who are poor in spirit. So they might be, um, let's see, they might not have much. They might be sad or lonely and he says they're blessed they're happy he talks about people who mourn people who are meek who don't have much power where they live all of these people he says they're happy and then he talks about other other groups of people people who hunger and thirst for righteousness they really want to see right things done and they want to do the right things He talks about people who are merciful, who are forgiving to others. He talks about people who are pure in heart, who have good thoughts. All of these people, he says they are blessed and they are happy and they're fortunate. And then he talks about peacemakers and people who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, because of the good things that they're doing and the good that they're working for. And these people, he also says, they're blessed, they're happy. So, in per- one of these in particular, well, let me stop and say, why, why would Jesus say all these different people are happy or blessed or fortunate? It's kind of a puzzle that a lot of grown-ups puzzle about, and I certainly continue to puzzle about. Um, but it's the kind of thing that you sort of can try to learn a little bit more um, every time you, you read it or think about it, and we're going to hear more from Josh today. Maybe that'll help us learn a little more to understand what Jesus means. Um, in particular, peacemakers. Um, is one of the groups of people Jesus talks about. He talks about, so, you know, peacemaker. What does it mean to make peace? I wonder what things you may have made in the past week. I wonder if anyone's made a batch of cookies or made a drawing or made uh, maybe you wrote something, you made a story or a poem. So, you know, you may have made different things, Well, what does it mean to make peace? It's a little, it's not quite something you can touch, so it's a little more, um, a little less clear. I'm going to read a poem. So, yeah, one of the things you can make is poetry. You can make poems, sort of special collections of words. And I am going to read a poem about peace, one way to make peace. It's called Game of Peace. A ball rolls slowly up to a soldier on patrol in a town, a ball from an alleyway. The soldier peers into the dark slot and gives the ball a boot. He waits. The ball rolls back again, again. Then, timidly, boys appear. Back and forth, they whack the ball. Their feet come to life. Their eyes spark. They laugh. The soldier's face remembers it has a smile. Nobody knows the game except the ball. So that's one little story about some people playing a game. And in a little, tiny way, they're making They're making a little bit of peace. Of course, they're in, there's soldiers um, on patrol, so they're in a place of war and violence, but they're finding a way to make a little bit of peace. Um, Let's have a moment of prayer for children of Prairie Street. Lord, we lift up to you all the children of this church, those who are here and those who aren't wherever they are today we ask that you would guard them and guide them keep them safe and show them how to make peace in jesus name we pray amen so now we'll hear the scripture a little more formally So as we heard, the scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 to 12.
4: escritura de hoy viene del Evangelio, Mateo, capítulo 5, versículo del al 12.
0: When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you.
4: Cuando Jesús vio a la multitud, subió al monte y se sentó. Entonces sus discípulos se le acercaron y él comenzó a enseñarles y diciendo, Bienaventurados los pobres en espíritu, porque de ellos es el reino de los cielos. Bienaventurados los que lloran, porque ellos recibirán consolación. Bienaventurados los mansos, porque ellos heredarán la tierra. Bienaventurados los que tienen hambre y sed de justicia, porque ellos serán saciados. Bienaventurados los misericordiosos, porque ellos serán Tratados con misericordia. Bienaventurados los de limpio corazón, porque ellos verán a Dios. Bienaventurados los pacificadores, porque ellos serán llamados hijos de Dios. Bienaventurados a los que padecen persecución por causa de la justicia, porque de ellos es el reino de los cielos. Bienaventurados serán ustedes. Cuando por mi causa los insulten, y persigan, y mientan, y digan contra ustedes toda clase de mal, gócense y alegrense, porque en los cielos ya tienen ustedes un gran galardón, pues así persiguieron a los profetas que vivieron antes que ustedes.
0: The word of the Lord. Our preacher this morning is Josh Kinder, who is our um, treasurer on the executive committee, as well as a teacher at Pierre Moran, and many other things as well. Let's pray. Lord, please open our hearts, our minds, our eyes and ears to hear and receive your word Um, through Josh this morning and please guide him and as well. Amen. Amen.
5: All right. Good morning, everybody. It's good to be here, isn't it? The sun is out. It's perfect. I'm going to obscure the cross. Please forgive me. Something magical about electricity. <laughs> Click. That was fun. All right. Uh, like I said, good morning. My name is uh, Josh Kinder. It's. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad we're all here together. Um, I'm going to talk about the scripture passage today, the Beatitudes but first we have to go back a little bit. Um, years ago, like 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago, so it's a pretty long time ago for me. Uh, more than 10 years ago, I lived in a community of volunteers in central Arkansas, kind of a hilly area. A uh, place called, Car- sorry, Perry County. Um, the place itself is called Heifer Ranch. And our work there, uh, there were Folks my age out of college, there were older folks too, all volunteering, and our work there was to educate our visitors about global challenges of hunger and poverty, and also to educate folks about the power of compassionate generosity to help build local resilience through small-scale agriculture. Some of you might have heard of the of the organization Heifer International. Um, So we worked there in Arkansas, we worked to demonstrate what a healthy small farm could produce. So there were vegetables, and there were animals, and there was a community of workers who liked each other. And roaming over those thousand acres, I learned how to herd cows and sheep. I learned how to assess a flock of sheep for health problems. I learned how to maintain miles of pasture fencing. I learned how to raise an egg into a chicken and then take that chicken and make it a meal for my friends. These days, I I try to keep animal farming out of my life, but I still remember my time in Arkansas as a season of transformation. It was while herding those animals that I felt a call towards seminary and a call towards anabaptism. And I followed those calls right here to Elkhart. Because there were two sayings at the ranch that were like the guideposts of our work. The first one we learned on day one, it's passing on the gift. At the ranch we had a shared understanding that generosity was the force that created the world. Passing on the gift was a motto that kept us centered on the beauty of continuing creation. And the second guidepost was blessed are the peacemakers. This was painted in broad letters on the sign at the main entrance. It wasn't painted on the front though. The front said Heifer Ranch, welcome. This is on the back. You would see this when you were leaving. So, every time I left to go into town, Blessed are the Peacemakers would be left on my mind like a cloud, drifting its way through all my other thoughts and plans. And so, the last part of the ranch I took with me when I came to Indiana was Blessed are the Peacemakers. And in the years between then and now, I've been trying and failing and trying again to follow the call of God to be a peacemaker. So, this morning, I'd like to spend some time with all of you meditating on the significance of this call to be peacemakers right here and right now. So our scripture reading today is Matthew chapter 5, right at the start, 5 verse 1 through 12, which is the opening passage of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And this introductory part is called the Beatitudes which doesn't actually come from the word attitude, by the way. Um, Beatitude comes from the Latin for blessedness. Um, So as the scene opens, Jesus climbs a mountain, like Andrea already kind of talked about it. It was probably a hill, but it's exaggerated as a mountain on purpose. Sometimes the gospel writers added some details. And the mountain part is important here. So he climbs a mountain followed by a bunch of disciples. As you can imagine, a crowd of people kind of like us going to the top of this hill, sitting down, enjoying the view, and there's this guy who's going to talk. And he sits and begins to teach. For those familiar with the Hebrew scriptures, the image of Jesus on a mountain would call to mind the prophet Moses on Mount Sinai, which is a real deal mountain. And that's where Moses received the law. And so that we have this Sermon on the Mount. The sermon itself lasts all the way through the end of chapter seven, chapter five, chapter six, and chapter seven. What we have today is just the opening statement. These eight blessings, when you read them with the full sermon, and you should, uh, when you read them with the whole sermon, they serve the role of an overture at an opera. They introduce and establish the themes for the whole sermon. So the scene in Matthew is, this is our introduction in the Gospel of Matthew to the public ministry of Jesus. And so these blessings also serve to set forth the program of the Gospel. Jesus has come to teach that God favors the poor, the orphan, the widow, the stranger, and Jesus has come to show us that the kingdom of God will be formed around peace and justice. Ever since its composition, the Sermon on the Mount has served Christian communities like ours as a sort of pocket guide for discipleship. It's like the, the cliff's notes to the Gospels. And the beatitudes that we read today are like the intro paragraph. has all the main ideas. So if we get a little closer to the text, most prominent is this repeated word blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek. In the Greek original, uh, the word that we have there is uh, makarioi, which comes from makarios, which is usually translated happy or blessed, like we see here, or fortunate. So it kind of means lucky. Kind of means lucky because of God, is what it means. And I, I, I really think that blessed is a word that's a little bit hard to define. Like, if you had to actually write out the definition, what does it mean to be blessed? How would you describe what a blessing looks like? How does a blessing feel? How long, how long do they last, really? And, and then there's my experience of this word blessed being kind of a churchy word, and it should be. I mean, it, it has to do with happiness that comes from God, so it, it should be a churchy word. But I, I guess what I'm saying is that blessed, when I read it in the Beatitudes, it comes across to me as a little bit stale and a little bit vague. It doesn't feel very alive to me. So, what if we were to translate this word as blissful, blissful instead of blessed? Blissful are the merciful, blissful are the peacemakers. To me, it has a little more brightness, more immediacy, uh, more tangible happiness. Blessed, to me, has an airy spiritual sense blissful has a strong sense of embodiment like feeling happiness in my body the way it feels to laugh and smile and sit in the sun Uh, so for today i hope you don't mind that i use blissful a few times in this passage Uh, another interesting thing about the beatitudes and i don't know if we all know this but there are two versions of the beatitudes there's what we see in matthew Uh, And there's one that we see in Luke. And the cool thing about them is they're both in sermons. Yes. Uh, In Matthew, it's Sermon on the Mount. And in the Gospel of Luke, we have these blessed are the poor statements in what we call the Sermon on the Plain. Keeping it level. Now, the small differences between the two versions are super interesting because they showcase some of the actual differences between the writers of Matthew and Luke. Um, So, for example, for example, Luke, we read, Blessed are you who are hungry. Blessed are you who are poor. It's very literally about hungry people and poor people. It's about food and wealth. But in Matthew... You read, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The blessings are translated into a spiritual, ethical kind of sense. The other cool thing about Luke's version, there's only four blessings, and they're paired with four curses. Woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who are full. So in Luke, the Beatitudes resonate with this theme of overturning the powerful and uplifting the poor that we read in places like the Magnificat and we see played out in stories like the Good Samaritan in Luke. So it's good to know that there are two versions and to know that like neither is better than the other. They're both there for disciples to be reading. But the big theme of this sermon today is Blessed Are the Peacemakers. And Luke doesn't have that one. <laughs> Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God." This appears only in the Gospel of Matthew. And here's, here's something really interesting. The word "peacemaker." The word "peacemaker" appears no other place in the entire Bible. This is true. It's a fact, y'all. This is it. The uniqueness of this word is meant, I think, I think, the uniqueness is meant to point us towards the meaning of the entire set of Beatitudes. I'm not sure I'm the only one to ever consider this, but when I read the Beatitudes, the way they sound all together suggests to me that the seventh one, blessed are the peacemakers, sits in a significant place in that list. We could try an experiment. like If you all had to highlight one of the Beatitudes, if you had to highlight just one of the blessings, I think the most popular answer to that question would be, blessed are the peacemakers. And I think that's on purpose from the writer. It's the keystone to this arch of blessings. It's the Sabbath of the series. It's the seventh blessing. It's the Sabbath blessing. So What is this word peacemaker, which is unique and we have nothing to compare it to, we have to figure out what it means. If it's the key word to the key statement in the intro to the key sermon of the entire gospel, then we should spend some time thinking about what it means. Uh, In Greek, the word is uh, arenopios, which is a compound word. Put together from the word for peace and the word for doing or making. It's a pretty literal translation for us, peacemaker. This word was custom built for the purpose of the gospel. The ministry of Jesus in the world, the work of God with us, made this word necessary. And so, the writer suggests, Jesus came up with it on the spot. Think about peace, think about making and you think about two sides coming together to connect in a new way. So the action of creating this word, peace and maker, the action of creating this word is meant to illustrate its meaning. Peacemakers will make new connections in order to compose and broadcast the gospel. Peacemaker is a word intended to spark your imagination. So look at the second part of the word, maker. The Greek word is pios, which is a word best remembered in English by its descendants poem, poetry, and poet. These words are traced back to this Greek word. So our sense of maker... Is someone who artfully or creatively puts some collection of things into a new beautiful arrangement. Could be flowers, uh, could be ingredients for a pie, could be words into a poem, could be anything. Could be rocks on the ground into a beautiful pile. You're making something. We should think of the English word craft we should think of peace as something that requires crafting. Something that requires our creativity with the raw material. Now, whether we're talking about crafting a cake or crafting a poem or crafting a table, I think that word always implies four things. Vitality, inspiration, imagination, and practice. To create something requires the creator to be alive, to be living. And the creator must be inspired. There must be some spirit involved, something divine, something eternal. The person creating must use their imagination to generate a vision of what is to be created. And we know that skilled creators become that way through practice. Creators make a habit of making things. And as I was writing this sermon, I realized that these four things, vitality, inspiration, imagination, and practice, they form a pretty sweet parallel with what Jesus names as the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You have to have those if you're going to be a maker. When we read this word peace then put together with maker, peacemaker, we get the sense of someone rearranging the pieces of the world into something that matches the imagination of God. To be a peacemaker somebody crafting shalom in the world, we are called to be creating here in this world, creating alongside God who is creating the world. This making that we're doing right now is the same making that God is doing right now. We are called to use our imagination. We are called to seek out inspiration. We are called to be fully alive, and we are called to practice these things. We are called as disciples to help craft a community of God's peace. We are called to connect ourselves, each other, our neighbors, and everybody with the love of God. And here's the promise, when we get crafty, when we get creative in building up a new world, that's when we'll feel blessed. Jesus isn't calling us to do work. (laughs) Jesus is calling us into the bliss of creating something new, the happiness of connecting God's love in the world. So, blissful are the ones who are creating peace, for they will be called handcrafted by God. But how how are we supposed to learn to be better creators? How does someone learn how to be creative? There's a certain intimidation factor when it comes to creation. Think Think about cooking without a recipe. When's the last time you improvised in the kitchen? It's pretty easy to get creative when you're hungry, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, But it all starts with the empty pot kind of staring back at you. Like, What are you going to (laughs) do? And for a lot of people, it's easier not to create. It's easier to work with somebody else's ideas. And so we don't practice coming up with our own stuff, our own ideas. How about this for a challenge? Like, take some time this week, grab a blank sheet of paper, and write down the words, Blessed are the dot, dot, dot. Blessed are the dot, dot, dot. Write that somewhere near the top and see what you can come up with. How would you write the Beatitudes? The first moments, the first words, the first notes are the most intimidating to write. It feels almost like you're standing at the edge of something, reaching out into something mysterious, wondering what's gonna land on your finger first. Creation always involves an interface with mystery. The border between things that are made and things that are not yet made or unmade. Creation requires of us the courage to face the mystery, to go out to the edge. Creating peace requires of us the courage to face the mystery of God's steadfast love, which is as big as an ocean. Dive into the deep and come up with something new. Dive into the deep and come up with something new. I like that line. It makes me think of trees, how their roots are just growing down there in the dark, blind to how beautiful it is to sit in the shade of the tree that they're a part of. The roots are just down there, reaching out into what's beyond them, trusting they will find what they seek eventually. And this groping into the deep underground that roots do is mirrored by the groping into the light that we see happening with the branches and the twigs and the leaves. Dive deep and come up with something new. That's how trees grow. You see, creation and growth are partners. They lead into each other. If we as disciples are creating peace, making peace, coming up with new ways to weave shalom into the world, then we will be growing, and the kingdom of God will be growing too. Now, we like trees here at Prairie Street. The writers of the Bible like trees too. One time, I even stood up here a couple months ago and said that the church is like a forest of trees. I really like trees. Uh, so how do trees actually grow? Like where does it happen? Where do trees grow? I know, like, I know the leaves turn sunlight into like energy, sugar, and the tree uses that as like food, but where does like the action happen? Where do you get more tree? Uh, so I was thinking about that, and I remembered all the way back to, uh, to high school biology, And I remembered something called the meristem. That word stuck in my brain because I liked how it sounded. The meristem. Uh, Which is this thin region under the surface of the plant where cells are busy creating new cells out of raw materials. And those new cells become new layers of tissue. And those new layers make the tree taller and wider and deeper. The roots have a meristem. The trunk has meristem. The tips of the branches have meristem. You've seen it in the springtime when the new new twigs start growing. That's what I'm talking about. So from the day a seed sprouts until the day the tree dies, it has a layer of meristem just under the surface of the entire plant. Trees simply never stop growing. The way a tree grows is patient, it's unrelenting, it's persistent, and it suggests to us the power of a life of creative discipleship. Standing through storms and wind, summer and winter, we see the tree grow deeper and further out into the world. Trees don't retreat when it gets cold, they keep reaching out. They spread out their seeds, and they spread out their shade. And we know because we've seen that if a tree keeps on growing, not even a stone wall can stand in its way. Yeah. I took this picture in 2018 when I was on pilgrimage in Spain, but I'm sure this kind of scene happens all over the world. And as I took the photo, I said, said to myself, I'm going to use this for a sermon one day. <laughs> so this, this photo makes me happy. makes me happy. And I think it's because I imagine that somehow that tree feels really happy for finally knocking that wall over. It's blessed, right? It's happy for overcoming the power of separation with the power of creative living. Pretty great. Uh, So in conclusion, how can we be more like that tree that grew up to knock the wall down? How do we become better peacemakers? First, learn to recognize the bliss of making new connections. It's exciting. It's joyful. It's real. And second, Keep creating, never stop, not even when it hurts, not even when it's risky, not even when other disciples have died trying to do the same. The Beatitudes can be read as a program for a life of discipleship. Take a look at the phrases in the future tense, blessed are the poor for they will right? Look at these. They look almost like instructions for us. Give the poor more control over their lives. Feed the hungry. Comfort those who mourn. Those hungry people are lucky because there are peacemakers in the world who are going to feed them. That's supposed to be us. Comfort those who mourn. Show mercy to everyone. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. From the prophet Micah. Build a bigger garden by growing down the walls. Yeah? In the spirit of coming up with new visions of God's peace on earth, in the spirit of creativity, I... Uh, I challenge you to write your own Beatitudes, right, your homework assignment. Here are six blessings uh, that were generated by Pope Francis in 2016. He wrote six new Beatitudes. Blessed are those who remain faithful while enduring evils inflicted on them by others and forgive them from their heart. Blessed are those who look into the eyes of the abandoned and marginalized and show them their closeness. Blessed are those who see God in every person and strive to make others also discover God. Blessed are those who protect and care for our common home. Blessed are those who renounce their own comfort in order to help others. And blessed are those who pray and work for full communion between Christians. Amen.
1: Please turn in the purple. Sing the story hymnal to number 41, 41. Blessed are they. We'll sing verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. turn in the sing the story to number 37 37 firstborn of Mary And number 19, and sing the story, 19. Jesus, Jesus, oh, what a wonderful child. Those who are able, please stand.